1: If the roar of the crowd gives you goosebumps, cashing a slip makes you grin, and above all, you love making your bookie cry, then you're in the right place. The number one spot for premier betting advice and wild opinions, shared with a fan base like no other. Welcome home. This is the Punch List MMA Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dale Lippin and Trey Van Buskirk. What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? You are tuned into the newest edition of the Punchlist MMA podcast. It's your boy, Dale Lippin, in here with the flying Hawaiian himself. Hawaiian shirt today, but I'm going to say it anyway, man. Trey Van Buskirk, what's going on, buddy?
2: Just a corporate boy, living in a corporate world. Bit of a material girl as well today, because I definitely comb my hair for this, which I don't even know we're going to do a video on this guy or not.
1: I just... It's weird you said that. I was looking at it, and I was waiting for you to finish talking, so I go, you're even having a good hair day today, man. You really got the, thank you got the quaff going. It looks good, man. It looks looks you. very good. Thank
2: you. If those, uh those that thought I was excited last week on last week's card, oh, huh, boy, am I excited for this week. This week, it's actually genuine excitement,
1: though. That's yeah. the thing. Yeah, this is a great card from top to bottom. Before we get into that, though, uh, we had a great week last week. Um I know we had a good record, but I think we even had some, we, we even had better food. Um, thanks to stay classy meats, man. Uh, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate what they do for the show. And uh, just basically fill in my house, my freezer with good food. Use that promo code fist, save 10%. Stay man. It doesn't get any better than that.
2: Speaking of your food you made last week. So we highlighted your burger, which was, uh, which was creatively called, uh, the Jessica eye candy <clears throat> burger, but, my uh, my question to you is, there wasn't any brown sugar on that bacon, so where'd the candy come from?
1: Well, it was honey bacon, um, and I was going more from like the idea of like, when something's really good looking, you say it's eye candy. Mm-hmm. wasn't so much, you know what I mean? That, that was sort of the play on words, not the fact that there was a mm-hmm. candy element to the burger. Now, the burger was sweet because we did have the honey bacon from Stay Classy, but I digress. The candy was not... a a play on candy bacon it was just more so a play on the idea of eye candy and the you know jessica i last name of course now that you've made me explain this it sounds stupid but (laughs) that was the initial intent
2: nice well jessica i was anything but eye candy in her main event fight um hopefully we're gonna actually see A main event that is going to, you know, live up to the hype and per the directions that we're going to be giving um, on the main event, which is Curtis Blades and uh, and Volkov, um, I think there's just a lot to unpack there, confliction and fights. But I know we have a packed card, so let's get into it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I mean, listen, the the Jessica I Cynthia Calvillo fight kind of went exactly the way most people thought it would go, uh, in that it was going to be a typical Jessica I snooze fest. She's like a Damian Maya that throws hands, uh, which I know is blasphemous to you because Damian Maya is a jiu-jitsu guy. You think he's super interesting. I personally <laughs> think he's incredibly boring. Let's put it this way. She's a better she's 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 a um, she's a female Elias Theodoro. That is what ah. Jessica guy is. She is a female Elias Theodoro. Stays active, is incredibly boring to watch. Um City you know, for all intents and purposes, fixed her cardio issues, and she looked great, man. She did exactly what she needed to do to win. I had it as a shutout on all on uh, on my card, so I give it to her. But yeah, you're right. We do have a lot to go in that goes into this card this week. Uh, we got the return of Clay the Carpenter Guida. He's the featured prelim, uh, and then we also uh, have another. Team elevation guy that has got a main event spot here in Curse Place taking on Alexander Volkov. But before we get into that, man, uh, the most decorated, seasoned UFC vet on the roster, Jim A10 Miller, taking on Roosevelt Roberts. Admittedly, you've heard me say this before. Jim Miller has my favorite nickname in all of mixed martial arts with the A10 because that is by far and away my favorite aircraft. But it's an aircraft. Yeah.
2: Okay, I was thinking it was like, <laughs> I thought it was like another Formation A1 sauce, like it was some type of no, sauce. Oh, no, the
1: A10 Warthog, man, it's just, it's the oh, Tank God. Buster, you're not familiar with it oh all, nah. dude. A1 sauce,
2: very familiar, put right. that shit on everything.
1: Right, yeah, a, no, no, the A10 Warthog is a fantastic, uh, absolutely fantastic piece of American machinery in the global war on terror, and just basically striking terror into the hearts of bad guys worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, has a turret on the tip of it. I'll send you some YouTube videos whenever we're done. By far and away, my absolute <laughs> favorite aircraft, man. Just nothing but death and destruction from the sky. So Jim Miller with the was synonymous with the A-10 nickname. I know a lot of people probably didn't even know Jim Miller had a nickname until I said something right there. However, does go by A-10 from time to time. Taking on Roosevelt Roberts, coming off a big win over Brock Weaver. I've had a mixed bag in my thoughts when it comes to Roosevelt Roberts, but you think that he's got enough to get it done here in the, what is this, the 26th fight for you or for uh, Jim Miller inside the UFC? <laughs>
2: yeah, the only thing uh, that scares me about Roosevelt Roberts is you have to remember his fight, like you just alluded to, against Brock Weaver was on May 30th. <laughs> That's 17 days ago. By the time they actually take place, it'll be about 22 days since his last fight. You know, from a weight cut to a fight, to a new weight cut, to a fight. I don't know what type of, uh, what his stamina is gonna look like. I don't know how comfortable or tired he's gonna be, you know, back to back like that. The reason I like Roosevelt Roberts in this is he's the way, way, way more rangier fighter. He's gonna work from distance. I could see him outpointing uh, Jim Miller, moving around, winning on scorecards. I don't think he's gonna come in aggressive. I don't think he has that energy, but I think by creating that distance and moving around, it's a pretty safe play on him.
1: My big, my big reservation with this, um, with this fight, is Robert's fight against Vince Michelle. I think that Jim Miller is a is a, a more skilled fighter than Vince Michelle is. Um, I think Vince probably has a better, better gas tank. But from a submission standpoint, from a wrestling standpoint, uh, I think he throws hands a little bit better than Vince Michelle does. And Pichel gave Roosevelt Roberts all he can handle when they fought. So. I just – my concern will be is can Jim Miller weather the storm and then what happens if he does? Because we, you're right. Roberts is going to keep him at range. He should use the jab effectively. He should show showcase that crisp boxing that he has. But if he can't get Jim Miller out of there, he's going to be in trouble. Like it's going to have to be – if this goes to decision, I don't think that, he, that Roosevelt Roberts' camp is going to like the way it ends. Right. No, I agree. So, uh, but yeah, Roosevelt Roberts, you sit him at minus 230 right now. Maybe throw him in a parlay with somebody else, uh, but just for the sake of picking him, pick him. But uh, you could do worse than a flyer on Jim Miller, plus 180. But let's keep things moving. Lyman Good taking on Bilal Muhammad. Lyman Good at 21-5. and Bilal Muhammad at 16-3. and Lyman Good, as you know, Trey, Coming off that TKO win over Chance Wren counter, uh, where he looked absolutely fantastic. Prior to that, he had a submission loss to Damian Maya, uh, your golden boy. And then Bilal Muhammad, you know, always a tough game guy. Coming off a win over Takashi uh, Sato and a win over Curtis Millinder, you know, I know you think strength of schedule is one thing with a fight like this. I mean, what do you think the X factor is here?
2: I think, uh, you know, this is a really tough one because you're looking at two fighters, um, regardless of their record, seem a little bit inconsistent, a little bit of ebb and flow uh, with their fights. I think Lyman good. Um, you know, the good thing is he's had a tip-top training partner in uh, Burgos, who's in the co-main event of this card. Both, both those guys look so shredded. There's a couple people that I I look at in the UFC and I just think you're an action hero figure. Like, you know, we look... we. Good friends with Drew Dober. That guy looks like he hasn't eaten a, a crouton in, like, freaking 45 days. He, he's never had a carb.
1: Never. No, Not once. never. Not once, no.
2: yeah. Uh, but same thing with Lyman Good. Uh, the thing I like about Lyman Good um, is people are going to look to Bahal Muhammad to actually bring this to the ground or at least try and, you know, close the distance and get this on the ground. Lyman Good has got up to a 75% takedown defense. He's pretty good. His whole thing is I want to stay on the feet and I want to bang – um, the question is, you don't want to get into that firefight. So, is he going to be methodical? Is he going to keep it within range and kind of, kind of, you know, play to his own his own drum?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that I, I think that's something to look for here. But I kind of like Lyman Good. I'm sort of leaning that way in this fight. I'm trying to remember is that is that who we agreed on prior to going into this?
2: Oh, it is. Yeah, okay. I was Excellent. I was Muhammad for a second. Right. You you've swayed me.
1: I've swayed you. No, I like Lyman Good in this fight, man. Um, Muhammad is there to be hit. I, I think that Lyman Good's got about a good seven and a half minutes in this fight where he's going to need to get it done. Uh, if we get into the latter half of the fight, uh, two minutes and 30 seconds from the second round on, that's Bilal Muhammad's fight to lose. Uh, he's, he doesn't put a great pace on people, but he puts a steady, consistent pace nonstop. But what we have seen is that he can get touched he has been, you know, tagged in fights before, and a guy like Lyman Good doesn't just tap you. He doesn't just tag you. He shuts the lights out. Um, so if Muhammad comes in sloppy with, with a slow entry, uh, he's going to get knocked into the shadow realm. But I say that only applying to the first seven and a half minutes of this fight. Outside of that, you know, I I, I don't I haven't seen an over under on rounds for this yet. But I'm definitely thinking it's going to come in at one and a half because I really, I feel like that's the apex in this fight is that minute and a half. But I like, I'll take Lyman good here. I I'll, I love plays on guys with knockout power because you just, it only takes one shot. It just takes one.
2: Yeah, I think if you can negate that ground game, it's, you know, it's it's good fight to lose.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's keep things moving. Women's MMA here in the middle of the card. Marion Renault. uh, is taking on Raquel Pennington. Raquel Pennington married to Tisha Torres, who is fighting on the undercard. Uh, Tisha Torres is a big underdog to Brianna Von Buren. And Raquel Pennington uh, is sitting here. And this fight gets is getting more and more even by the minute, Trey. Uh, Raquel Pennington sitting at a minus 150. You can still get Renault at a bargain at plus 120.
2: Yeah. I think uh, we're going to see that line just become a pick fairly soon. And I'll tell you why. Raquel Pennington, dude, I tried to watch tape on her, but I felt like I was watching the same tape every single fight. It's the same thing every single time she fights. She'll try and get into the clinch, she'll strike, but nothing is changing. Nothing is is getting better. I think it's the blueprint is out there to beat Raquel Pennington, Uh Renault, what I like about her is she brings a little bit of unorthodoxness on the ground. She's got great jiu-jitsu, and I think that's where she needs to take this fight. She needs to take it somewhere on the ground where she can present some problems to Raquel, who we haven't really seen utilize her jiu-jitsu because she's always standing and just going to these lackluster decisions that she ends up losing.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, here's the thing when it comes to a a woman like Marion Renault. You know, she's only been fighting— uh, or rather, I don't want to say only, she's been fighting since 2014. And if you look at her record, she's at nine, five, and one. So she doesn't really have a lot of mileage on her for having fought for the you know the better half of six coming up on seven years right now. And you look at the people who she's fought, Trey, and it's a who's who in, in, in women's MMA. You know, Yana Kunitskaya, Kat Zingano, Sarah McMahon, uh, Bechka Haya, uh, Ashley Evans-Smith, and Holly Holm. She even fought Jessica Andrade, I mean, the woman has literally fought everybody and has a record of nine and five. Now, most people look at that and go, well, that's not the greatest record in in history. But it's not bad either, considering who she's fought. I mean, she has the nickname The Bruiser for a reason. I think that she can get in there. And if she's aggressive enough, she can frustrate Pennington. One of the things we've seen with Pennington time and time again is that she has this weird – hitching her giddy up for lack of a better way of putting it she just cannot pull the trigger anymore uh watching her try to throw punches like watching charles barkley swing a golf club it's just it's a mess man it's an absolute mess i think marion renault gets in and sneaks out an underdog win here
2: i agree hate betting women's fights but this is one where i could i could see it for sure swaying in the favor of the underdog
1: yeah Again, I'm not I'm not advocating betting on this fight at all, but uh if we're picking winners and losers, I'm going to go with Renault here. Uh, and if you're into betting women's MMA, you know, you can still get her at a decent price at plus 120, I think like you said this will get a lot closer to a pick um come fight time, especially after weigh-ins cuz they're they're going to see Renault come in she's going to be cut up, she's going to be big, and look heavy um and I think well, I think we'll we'll see something here. What if? What if
2: if Tisha gets, like, knocked the fuck out, like, lights out early on in this card? What do you think that's going to do to Raquel?
1: Well, I think it's like we, we've said before, we have, we have uh, teammate momentum. You know, the biggest concern I have for the Curtis Blades fight is the fact that one of his best friends in the world, Austin Hubbard, is fighting on the very first fight of the night, and he's mm-hmm. actually a sizable underdog in that fight. My concern is that Austin Hubbard goes out there and loses to Max Rothkoff, and it taints the whole momentum of the night when it comes to uh, teammates. I'm a big believer in teammate momentum, man. Time and time again, we see we have teammates fighting on the same fight, and one of them loses. The next fight where another teammate goes, they end up losing, man. It's, it's crazy. I mean, Drew Dober winning – uh, against Alexander Hernandez, just solidified the Gaethje pick. I mean, yeah, we knew yeah. it was. Co- we, I mean, it was all, all. that did was just completely solidify it. If Gaethje's main training partner goes out there and puts the performance of a lifetime on, what do we expect to happen, right? Gaethje to do exactly the same thing, and he did exactly that. Uh, on the flip side of that, though, when you look at the Australia cards and stuff like that, uh, every time one of those Australian or New, New Zealand guys loses, they yeah. all boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So. That's one thing. If they're teammates, we're talking about your wife. So if your wife goes out there and gets pieced up and loses, whatever she's lost three out of her last four or something like that, that does not fare well for you. When to be honest, she didn't look great in her. When Pennington didn't look great in her last fight, no. I thought, I thought in a lackluster fight, maybe she did enough to win. But she did not look good. She was afraid to engage. She can't pull the trigger. Ah, I think if Tisha Torres loses, it's a foregone conclusion. Pennington's out.
2: There you go. You heard it first. There's the domino effect, we like to call it.
1: Absolutely. All right, let's get into the co-main event of the evening, Trey. Shane Burgos, the hurricane taking on Team Alpha Male's own, Josh Emmett. Burgos at 13 and one. Josh Emmett at 15 and two. These guys are featherweight. I mean, they're just featherweight fireworks, man. I really don't know a better way to put it. I love watching these guys fight this is a fight i wish we didn't have to put a pick on because i'm just so excited to see it
2: i know total fireworks oh dude i can't do this i cannot go against team alpha male but i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to the only way i see josh emmett winning this fight is we know that shane burgos is a guy that likes to lead with his head the guy loves to just get punched and kind of carry that momentum he definitely doesn't cover up The thing I get worried about is Josh Emmett has the freaking hands of stone. That thing touches you. You are lights out. So he can't do that. He's got to play from range a little bit. He's got to respect Josh Emmett's power. I think uh, Emmett has an opportunity here, but I think his opportunity is not going to be in these firefights. It's to utilize his wrestling and team alpha Male is full of wrestlers. His wrestling's improved tremendously. I think that's where his X factor is, but is it going to be enough for, for Burgos? I
1: don't know. Yeah, I mean the crazy thing about Josh Emmett is he only hit he only fights power punchers. Man, he's constantly facing guys that are willing to you know that are willing to engage with him and guys that throw absolute bombs. And he's getting the same thing in a guy like Shane Burgos, who's gonna stand there. Burgos will be there to be hit, and Emmett will be right there to be tagged as well. These guys are gonna go out into the center of the octagon and they're gonna start trading. Do not walk away from the TV when this fight's on. This has all the makings for fight of the night all over it. I'm with you. I like Shane Burgos in this fight just because he's going to be a little bit taller. He's about three inches taller than Josh Emmett. He looked great in his fight against Makwan and Amir Khani. Uh, Obviously, has that split decision win over Cub Swanson, Kurt Hollibaugh win. The last time we saw him lose uh, was when he fought Calvin Cater. And there's as we see now with the Calvin Cater-Dan Ige main event booking in July... Um, you know, we now see that, like, it, there's no shame in losing to Calvin Cater. And even then, it was a TKO in round three and what was a back and forth fight leading up to the knockout. I'm going to continue to ride Shane Burgos here, man. I think he's about to go on a little run. He's already got three in a row. I think he's going to tuck four into the belt on Saturday night. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally in there. All right. Main event of the evening Curtis, Razor Blades taking on. Alex Drago Volkov. Listen, man, this is a heavyweight fight with great title implications. I know you know that Curtis Blade's been untouchable uh, by anybody not named Francis Ngannou. Yeah. Uh, but here we are. They're giving him a maintenance event spot. This is his chance coming off that massive win over Junior Dos Santos. A minus 380 favorite taking on the plus 290, Alexander Volkov, who is a absolute... Yeah, at this point, I'm going to go ahead and say Volkov's like a legend of the heavyweight game, man. That guy's a monster. He's been around for a long time, and you know competes in every every organization that he's ever been a part of. He's amongst the elite. I'll call him a legend. I'll call Volkov a legend. I'm going to do it. His his you,
2: you totally can too because he's one of those type of fighters that disregards ranking, so to speak, and just picks fights as they come. I mean, you got to win over. You know, Greg Hardy, before that, what, it was like Fabrizio doom Dude, his his schedule has been so nuts. There's no consistency to, like, oh, let's climb the ladder of rankings. It's who's in front of me and how can I fight them and how can I win. I think uh, how Volkov can win this fight is you need to stay on your feet, dude. Yeah. The thing is, Curtis Blades has got crazy ground and pound. He's got pretty decent takedowns. He definitely wants to get this down. If Volkov can negate that, I, I think he has a shot here. I think... Play from distance. I know that sounds like the most redundant, repetitive statement, but a lot of these people are fighting people with confliction styles. Those conflicting styles are bring them to the ground or stand up. Volkov needs to stand up, work from his distance, utilize his range, and just win on points.
1: Yeah, I, I think the hard part is going to be doing that inside of a small cage and get yeah. against a guy that has the most takedowns in UFC heavyweight history yeah. by a mile now in Curtis Blades. When the fact that you do not have the extra room to get away from Curtis Blades is seriously going to hamper your movement, your style, everything. The only thing that may help him is that if he can move correctly around the cage, he might make it those awkward distances where Curtis can't shoot the way he needs to. Um, Anytime that Curtis does not have a takedown that goes his way, he needs to be beaten up the body with knees, nasty hooks things of that nature. He's got to find ways to get dig under hooks, flip Curtis around, not be pressed up against the cage and drag down because Curtis blades is an amazing chain wrestler. He's going to put that pressure on him. One thing that I'm concerned about, and this is, this is something that we've seen before is Curtis blades is a wrestler that just got a knockout. And that happens. We, oh, yeah. we get real things, get real strange when wrestlers get knockouts. So that's, that's about my only concern with this fight is him falling in love with his hands.
2: Yeah, I think uh, just like you said, we could see Curtis starting to throw for the fences, and that's where it gets scary. There's a way to hedge the bet in the second round. If he just starts throwing, doesn't go back to his original, I'd recommend it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure um, what we can do in that regard. I mean, some books offer live betting. Uh, it was just going to be one of those things, though, man, you're not going to know it till it's too late. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that would be my big concern with Curtis blades is him falling in love with the knockout. wanting to stand there and trade with Volkov. Uh, you know, Volkov's only got one loss since he came over to the UFC from Bellator. And that was the knockout loss to Derek Lewis, which he was winning that fight right up until the last, you know, 15 seconds or so of the fight. So if he wins that fight against Derek Lewis, you know, we're talking about a guy that would be in title shot contention right now, at least in, at least in the talks, the fight guys like the Francis and gone of the world.
2: Yeah. Does uh, Do you think that Gustafsson's long-lost brother is Volkov?
1: No. Um, I mean, they definitely have that same, like, super tall, blonde hair, blue-eyed, like, kind of look to them or whatever. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think if you look at the, the, the genetic makeup of the two, uh, Volkov definitely has a more, like, Russian, uh, like... I don't know, like a Russian czar or something like, like, like Volkov grew up in one of those houses or a house that has one of those like weird colored domes on it. Like you see, like in uh, St. Yeah. Petersburg and stuff like that. You know, what oh, I mean, that's yeah. what Volkov looks like. Yeah, it's like, like
2: seven stories and has spiral staircases all the way to the top.
1: Right, right. Whereas Gustafson looks like like the dude where you go to like a fishing village and you'd be out there like trying to like get hammered and he'd like feed you some weird fish that likes a delicacy and then like him and all his buddies would laugh at you while you threw up everywhere yeah yeah yeah
2: (laughs) i've been worried of that a couple times
1: yeah it happens every time (laughs) i go to a shipping i go to a fishing village yeah i always have guys giving me tainted fish (laughs) yeah that's why i have
2: a i have a fear of docks
1: yeah (laughs) absolutely absolutely all right man so Let's go. Let's recap these plays real quick, or picks rather, whatever we want to call them. Uh, let's go ahead and, and wrap these up real quick. We're gonna take. We're gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna heed your warning here. We're gonna take Roosevelt Roberts over Jim Miller, Lyman Good over Bilal Muhammad, Marion Renault over Raquel Pennington, Shane Burgos over Josh Emmett, and Curtis Blades Alexander Volkov. What do we? What do we do in the under three and a half rounds? Blades outright. What are we? What are we doing here? Just picking a winner and saying don't bet it because he's such a huge favorite. What do you want to do?
2: Gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm jaded by past main events, especially past heavyweights. I feel like they've gone in the distance, so I don't really want to play inside the distance unless you do.
1: Okay, let's just go ahead and make a play on Curtis Blades. We'll just say throw Blades into a parlay, and if you if you want to, I don't really, I don't want to bet him at minus three eighty. I think that's a terrible price for him. You're not going to really make any money back. And then, uh, you're right, I really just don't see Alexander Volkov getting taken down for five rounds, getting pummeled by Curtis Blades. I I really see the fight ending somewhere in between there. Volkov's either going to have to knock him out. I don't think Volkov's going to outpoint Curtis Blades for 25 minutes, do you?
2: No, the and originally I actually i did think but when you put when he threw in the fact of the smaller cage i don't think there's gonna be much room to move and he's gonna cut off those short distances curtis Blades, yeah. so yeah it's he's gonna smother him
1: yeah i mean i imagine you could probably get inside the distance of like minus 180 mm-hmm. right now maybe yeah. minus 200 which to me that's a better shot because then. You can get a 20% return on whatever you, you know, if you're just looking at the end of the night, you're up big and you want to try to pad the pocket a little bit, you know, and put a little 20, 20% return on investment in there, you could do that. But that's that's up to, up to you. One line I do want people to pay attention to on the prelims is the Courtney Casey and Jillian Robertson fight. Um, Jillian Robertson, obviously, submission specialist coming out of South Florida, and then Courtney Casey getting that submission win in her last fight. Uh, just a few short weeks ago, getting that arm bar victory. Uh, Courtney Casey looks better than ever, man. And she is notorious for dragging people out to wild split decisions. If Jillian Robertson cannot get a submission locked up in the first round, Courtney Casey's going to run away from this one or at least get it to a split decision where you'll have a 50 50 chance. Uh, go ahead and, and get cash and a win on an even money ticket there. Just something to look at.
2: Yeah, I, I like Courtney too. I think. Cardio-wise, she's going to come in a little bit fitter. Jillian comes in a little bit heavy. So, like you said, if she can weather that first-round storm, I think that Jillian could also gas a little bit um, in rounds two and three. Um, Yeah, Courtney looks good for this fight.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's put a bow on this bad boy. Dude, any new, like, crazy MMA news or anything this week? I'm trying to remember if I saw anything. See, the problem is, is you and I talk so much throughout the week, I can't keep track of what we are and aren't doing.
2: Yeah, um, Alexia Lennox is going to be fighting Derek Lewis. I thought that I was a cool that. thing that, that launched today. Um, outside of that, just the drama going on with Masvidal, obviously, you know, missing out on the Usman fight and, um, you know, kind of his, his stake as to when he's going to come back and what he's going to take, what he wants to do. Um, everything's right now, it's all dependent on pay. This is the same thing we've been talking about. It's the same thing with John Jones, it's the same thing with Masvidal, it's the same thing. With, um, I mean, it's always been with like the Diaz brothers. Everyone kind of wants to beach their own drum. They believe that they're the face of the franchise. They're the face right. of all that is UFC. And Dana White's just sticking to his guns. And he's just like, dude, yeah. this thing's a machine. You're only one tiny component of it.
1: Yeah, which is weird to me. I mean, listen, I almost get them being a little like tight on the, the purse strings with John Jones because he's such a liability. I, I, I can almost justify that. What's crazy to me is I feel like guys like Jorge Masvidal have the most legitimate claim to the pay issues that are going on right now because you literally made up a belt for him to compete with to sell pay-per-views. Like, you could have made a BMF belt, right, which they did, and put any two other guys in there. Imagine a BMF belt fight for, I don't know, who's someone that's semi-exciting? Um... Santiago Ponzinibbio versus another welterweight that's sort of entrenched in the middle there, uh, Aleski Dos Santos, and mm-hmm. called it the, the the bad Brazilian BMF belt, or, or just BMF belt in general. It's not going to do it. It's not going to sell anything. No. Like, the name Nate Diaz, the name Jorge Masvidal sold that. No. So. By making a belt for them, you admit it that they're valuable. So now you got—you should have to by proxy. You should be like, ah, yeah, I kind of showed all my cards here. I gotta go in now. I gotta pay money. Right, hey, man, just pay
2: them. I know, but you know, the thing that's really shitty about this is the ones that are getting paid. It's not based on their actual skill set. It's based on their ego, their flamboyant personalities. And that's the big issue. You look at people like Colby Covington, he convinced everyone he was this heel. But the reason he did that was because he was on the way out. He wasn't exciting. They looked at, um, you know, everyone's on the Sean O'Malley trip right now because he's got the crazy hair. He's got these funny Instagrams. Um, he talks a big game, um, Dude, look at his level of competition. Does not justify his pay. Um, Jorge Masvidal, Nate Diaz, these guys have crazy, like almost 500 records. But the thing is, they're needle movers. These are the yeah. guys that have the—they're the ones that are selling the pay-per-view. Do you think Kamaru Usman is really selling a pay-per-view? No. 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 no he, John he, Jones, he, he's not selling a pay-per-view.
1: Right. He could have. He could have. But he's just—he's—no— it's he's almost reached a Floyd Mayweather status where people are going yeah. to buy pay-per-views in hopes to, in hopes of seeing him lose, right. um, you know. And 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 I think you hit the nail right on the head with that about them being needle movers and stuff like that. But what I don't understand is, and it, I don't know why. I mean, I, I I do understand it came. It's coming down to greed. But if you look at like the average medium pay for a fighter, you know, they're most of them that are fairly popular are making like 50 to show and 50 if they win. Right. If you just double that, like just double the average, I don't think you'll hear as much about it because people will realize like, yeah, I'm not making boxing money, but I'm still making great money. Like Jorge Masvidal. Right. Let's just say like, what do you really need to pay him in order to have him be happy with his fight deal? Like if you look at a guy like Alistair Overeem, right. Overeem, On a per fight basis is one of the highest paid fighters in UFC history because he came over. He was a name and he probably had a great agent, a great deal um, that negotiated for him. But still, the guys made I think on average he makes seven hundred fifty thousand to show up for every fight with no win bonuses, win, lose or draw. So he got paid three quarters of a million to get elbowed to death by Curtis Blades. If you take that and you say, Jorge, say, hey, for the next five fights, man, we'll give you three quarters of a million dollars per fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you'd be just fine with that. I think their problem is not they're going, this is it, take it or leave it. And that all, anytime you put somebody in that corner, it shuts down all talks. You can't do it.
2: Well, it's also the worst time for them, for the fighters. And, you know, I'm all about the fighters, but this is the worst time for them to do that. There's no gate so, for them to essentially, you know, the UFC omit a huge portion of their revenue and them coming and saying they justify all this cash, it's just not happening. There's right. no gate, there's no concessions, like th- there's the lack of sales. This is this is what it is. The only thing that's going to sell right now is pay-per-views and the only people that are selling pay-per-views are those with the crazy personality. So, certain people like Jorge Masfal, I think they have a pedestal to stand on. Other people, not so much, not the time.
1: Right. I also think that they're doing too little, too late. Um, if they would have came out in March and said, "Now that we've got this clean break and I have your attention, we're not going to fight again until our pay increases," right? Then you're like, "Okay, we have March, we got April, we got May. It has time to build momentum. That snowball gets bigger as it rolls down the hill." But they're already putting on pay-per-views, bro. So now that you're like, ah, "I don't want to," they'll just they'll put on. There's enough other people right? There's always going to be guys out there that go, it's not about you. It's about me and feeding my family. I don't really care that you want millions. I'm just trying to make my 50 and 50. Sign me up, dude. I'll fight. I'll fight right now. And there are 370 some odd fighters on the roster later. Dude, there's always going to be people that go, doesn't matter if Jorge doesn't want to fight. This is my time. I need to feed my family. What do you need? 25, 25, 50, 50, 64, 64? Put, Put me in, coach. I'm ready. Oh, and that's it
2: completely coincides with what Dana White wants right now Dana White the reason everyone right now is seeing people like Roosevelt Roberts fight in 22 days is because those that are stepping up that don't really care about these crazy monstrous pays they're just taking what they can get and they're they're taking the fight versus you know putting together a whole camp paying all their coaches you know arguing for a contract pay all this stuff The ones that are stepping up are getting paid. The ones that are stepping up are making the name. The the ones that are
1: actually being showcased. That's the name of the game right now. Yeah, well, remember a couple months ago when they were talking about, you know, starting to ramp things up and maybe having events again, Dana White said that there's not going to be any sort of lax in the amount of people that are able to fight this year. We're going to do enough events. And remember, you and I were talking about this idea of there being a mass exodus of people that are going, I'm just stuck like Chuck. I can't get into a camp. I can't do anything. Let me go or do whatever. Um, we haven't really seen that. But what we have seen is that based on Dana White's um, narrative on what he's saying in that anybody that wanted to fight could fight four times this year, five times this year, whatever, once we get up and going. He said that. And what we've seen is a lot of people turning around very quickly. So the proof to me would be in the pudding that he's actually put it out there. Well, if you want to fight, you can. And if you're ready, you you can. So all these people that aren't fighting, to me, that comes across as they weren't taking it seriously. They thought that, you know, it was going to be one of those things where they were just going to come back and all the momentum that was there before was going to continue to be there. And I really think that they're losing a lot of steam on this idea of more pay and you know, better matchups and all this stuff. Because your big guys lost momentum. They should. If you were a big guy, like a top five guy in the UFC, you should have spent quarantine staying fight ready. So when things hit the ground running, you could get out there and have all the eyes on you because nobody else is watching sports right now. Right. You're the only one out there. So to me, seeing guys like Dan Ige fight twice, seeing you know all of these guys that are doing these super quick turnarounds. Uh, You know, even the Hannah Cyphers in the world, what was the fastest turnaround in UFC history? Right. Dude, it's not because of her past performance, because she just got beat. It's because she's ready. Nobody else is ready. Yeah. So you lose a little bit of sympathy for me there. You should have been ready.
2: Yeah, you do. Another quick question is
1: Dana White Butterbean's long lost brother. Now, see, that's more probable they're about the same height depending on the time of year they're about the same weight uh and they 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 definitely look very similar um yeah i mean that's not that's not beyond the realm of possibility they well, at least share some of the same genetic makeup
2: well one thing that's not genetic but it's definitely something they do is those guys their heads look as slick as a dolphin
1: they are super groomers, if you will. They are. You're probably not going to find outside of the, bar, the the being a barber. Um, you're probably not going to find guys that are as comfortable with a straight razor or clippers as Dana White and Butterbean. No.
2: Sometimes I, I I just think to myself like those guys on a slip and slide, fastest fucking thing I've ever seen in my life.
1: Absolutely, for sure, hundred percent.
2: Yeah. So, guys, I was thinking it's summer. You want to be slick on a slip and slide. You want to look like a dolphin. You want to go as fast as possible. Not only that, do you, you kind of want to look like a Drew Dober. You want to look like an Alex Hernandez. You want to look like a Lyman Good. Take off that brown sugar that's covered your whole stomach. Yeah. yeah look look fit. The, the quickest way to look fit is just shave all that shit on your chest. And the best way to do that is do it with the uh, lawnmower 3.0, which you can get at Manscaped.com. But you can't just get it at Manscape. What you need to do is you need to use our code in checkout, which is Punch. And it will get you 20% off and free shipping.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, we don't do – I mean, listen, we don't really do anything uh, in this podcast other than ask that you support us by supporting our show sponsors. Uh, they are quite literally the people that keep this thing going. <laughs> yeah. it, it takes a lot of effort on our end, but it takes a lot of trust on their end. Uh, to keep this thing going. So if you appreciate the content at all, if we've brought you any value at all, uh, consider leaving us a review. Consider uh, sharing with your friends. Consider supporting the show by utilizing our show sponsors. Trey, Money Man Dan came out of the woodwork in the 11th hour and collected his beer money. What do you think we could do for a giveaway next? Do you feel like giving away another manscaped thing or what do you want to do? (laughs)
2: Well, first I want to say money man, Dan, he has a unique way. He listens to our episode. It's smart, but he wants it as fresh in his mind as possible. He clearly doesn't really care about the, uh, the lines that you can get much early. This is why we put our episodes out on Wednesday. He listens to the episode Friday at work so he can lock it in and be ready for Saturday and fight night with the boys. Um, You know, guys, if you want to do that, that's one tactic. Another, you know, we didn't go through any of the prelim fights. You can 100% hit us up on Punchless MMA on our Instagram and chat with us. We're on that all day long. Dale's a freaking madman replying back to anyone that has any prelim questions, any main card questions, or anything that we didn't cover. Hit us up on Punchless MMA. In regards to a giveaway, I think we've got to do another Manscaped one.
1: Okay. All right, let's do another manscaped one, but let's do it in in, in conjunction with the next pay per view. Okay. I don't I don't necessarily feel like a es UFC on ESPN something like that. I don't necessarily think that that's going to do it. But we've got a couple decent pay per views coming up, don't you think? UFC okay. two fifty one July eleventh. But we can announce the winner prior to that if we want. Um, I'm also not opposed to the Poirier versus Hooker card because I absolutely love that fight, man. I'm into that. That okay. one has a soft spot
2: in my heart because the uh, that fight was technically slated to be in San Diego and now it's
1: not. So yeah, that's a that's a hurt piece for sure. Yeah, absolute hurt piece. Okay, so let's do this. We are going to be doing another Manscape giveaway in the upcoming weeks. Stay tuned on episodes and on instagram on how we're going to do that uh last time it was pretty easy it was just a matter of liking and sharing a post following us in manscaped
2: and i think that was it
1: right we didn't really do much else
2: yeah we'll put pretty together easy. a manscaped per- perfect 3.0 package So you can spritz your balls you can groom your balls
1: Comes with you that right, your guys. feet yeah and yeah smooth, come with a pair smooth, of smooth the balls with underwear. Yeah. yeah turn them up yeah uh, absolutely huge prize pack uh Gave away one before. We'll do another one here soon. But just follow along with that, and then, like Trey said, follow us on on all social media platforms as well. Uh, We're just about everywhere, man. And like you said, I have my notifications turned on on my phone, and I'm never too busy at work. Just like our man Money Man Dan, who said he did he does all his betting while he's at work. You know, the company makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I place my bets on company time. Money Man Dan, appreciate you, brother. All right, everybody that left us five-star reviews, please do so uh, or share with your friends and enemies and tell them to do the same. Trey, it was good talking to you again. Uh, Until next week, my man. All right. All right, be be good to each other, guys.